Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So I wanted to um, talk about a timely topic, um, which is gratitude, and particularly gratitude for the path that we're on. Um, this is a good time to feel into that place in the heart and dwell there for a bit. And um, some of the things I thought about that I'm feeling grateful for uh, on this beautiful path of practice um, is silence and meditation, the precepts and I'll talk about that a little bit later, the practice of equanimity and acceptance and compassion, to name a few. So I wanted to start with um, just uh, an expression of gratitude for silence itself and meditation itself, which we get to do together every Sunday in all sorts of conditions heat, cold, rain. Um, this week, and, and I know for a lot of us, these weeks have been a bit turbulent and crazy. <laughs> some of you yes, some of you no. I, we had a guest um, stay with us, um, a relative of ours, who has a very strong meditation practice. And he practices with the Goenka tradition of Vipassana, and they sit for two hours a day. It's amazing, huh? And so he arrived last week, and, and um, he's meditating in the house two hours a day. And I, I wanted to express gratitude. We normally don't get to sit with other people at home. Mm-hmm. And it was so beautiful to feel that peace and that energy in my home, you know, and that holding. And I thought, wow, um, when things are rough and crazy and shaky and there's so much turbulence, to have this refuge of silence, stillness, and quiet to go to. Um, And particularly with other people, how sweet that is. It's such a true gift to have the capacity to sit in silence and quiet that mind, drop in and be held by that energy. So um, I wanted to read a little bit from Westminster. And um, this is a poem he wrote, Reasons to Meditate. I meditate because I suffer. I suffer, therefore I am. I am, therefore I meditate. I meditate because there are so many other things to do. I meditate because evolution gave me a big brain, but it didn't come with an instruction manual. I meditate because I have all the information I need. I meditate because life is too short and sitting slows it down. I meditate because life is too long and I need an occasional break. I meditate because of the Dalai Lama's laugh. I meditate because there are too many advertisements in my head and I am erasing all but the very best of them. 
I meditate because I want to remember that I'm perfectly human. Sometimes I meditate because my heart is breaking. And sometimes I meditate so that my heart will break. I meditate because I'm growing old and want to become more comfortable with emptiness. I meditate because Robert Thurman called it an evolutionary sport and I want to be on the home team. I meditate because I'm composed of a hundred trillion cells and from time to time I need to reassure them that we're all in this together. I meditate because it's such a relief to spend some time ignoring myself. I meditate because I'm building myself a bigger and better perspective, and occasionally I need to add a new window. So simple gratitude for that ability to just sit still. Here's um, something from another meditation teacher, Noah, Noah Levine, if any of you have heard his talks. Um, and one of the things he does is he writes Buddhist-inspired lyrics for a hardcore punk band, and they're called Deathless. And these are some of the lyrics uh, about meditation. He writes, um, adapt to the only constant, change. Our relationship to the mind, destroy. Suffering caused by clinging. Please be patient with this metamorphosis. Meditate and destroy. Centuries of handed-down conditioning. Break the cycles of ignorance. May we be free, happy, at peace and ease. We all suffer. I don't want my suffering to spill out onto you. May I learn to appreciate the joy and happiness I experience without clinging. Meditate and destroy. And uh, when you go up to his um, his center, they sell these hats and T-shirts. Meditate and destroy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so when when the waves are choppy, swirling, and there are storms rolling in, we're developing this capacity to be still from within and quiet from within and to be able to go there because we can in any circumstance at any time Uh, and to have a community of people willing to sit together right, and create that field of silence is a beautiful, beautiful gift Uh, that's thousands of years old yeah And here we are, again, doing the same thing the Buddha did to a degree, right? Thousands of years ago, he left um, a palace with everything he needed, um, all the wealth and all the delights and all the sensual pleasures. um, And he just walked out of that gate and committed to a life of sitting. And in some ways, we do the same thing. You know, not so radically and not on that level, but we leave all our comfort, our blanket, our bed, our comfy things, the sense pleasures, to sit and for knowledge to know what's really happening, what's really there. 
So the first, that's the first thing on the list. The second thing on the list <coughs> is because we sit, we're developing this capacity for equanimity, for fine balance in the sea of change. And um, the practice gives us that internal experience to um, bear something difficult without sinking, without toppling over, without being crushed by it. We're able to see clearly what's really happening in time and not get caught in denial or repressing, catastrophizing or withdrawing. We're able to stay engaged. Um, And we're giving ourselves room to detoxify the mind. We're learning non-reactivity. And this is a time for many of us where we're going to need to stay engaged and not get crushed. And um, the practice gives us that capacity. And we'll practice a little bit more with that today. The other um, gift of the practice are um, the precepts. And uh, in uh, meditation centers all over the world, and when you go on a retreat, um, you're asked to take these beautiful precepts. And um, the precepts are that you're going to abstain from non-harming, not harming anything living, um, that you refrain from consciously hurting anyone, refraining from overtly or covertly taking what's not yours or stealing, right? Um, And also um, refraining from unwise speech or speech that's not kind or true, and refrain from killing, obviously, and from any addictive behaviors um, or harmful behaviors like alcohol or drugs or sexual acting out. And people do that every day in meditation centers. And um, Sylvia Borstein wrote a really lovely article about setting the intention around the precepts. And she modernized it a bit for us. And this is what she wrote. And um, she suggests that we put this up on our bathroom mirror and look at it in the morning. On behalf of myself and all beings, I intend to refrain from consciously hurting anyone. I intend to refrain from overtly or covertly taking what is not mine. I intend to be sure that my speech is kind as well as true. I intend to refrain from addictive behaviors that confuse my mind and lead to heedlessness. So I was thinking about these um, precepts and this concept of not harming. And this story um, came up that a friend of mine told me. And she's working in um, a kidney dialysis center. And um, it was the middle of the day. And the place was filled with patients and people. And uh, the staff was overtaxed, as sometimes medical facilities are. and. Um, some of the equipment malfunctioned in the middle of it, and people were panicking, and the staff was panicking, 
and um, they had to kind of decide what to do on the spot and nobody was agreeing. The head of nursing um, was arguing to do this and the doctor was arguing to do that and the manager was arguing to do that and the social worker was arguing to do that and nobody, the team was falling apart. Everybody had something else that they wanted to have happen um, to get through this. And the next thing you knew, um, she found herself shouting at people and losing it. Have you ever lost it on your job? You shouted at people and said things you didn't want to say, right? And um, they got through it. It didn't look pretty. Everybody was upset. Nobody thought the other person had a good solution. And the thing that I remember from this story is that um, she had been obviously practicing. She had been on long retreats and been practicing for quite a while. Without thinking, the next day, without even intending, it's like the practice found her. The next day, she went up to each person individually and said, if I have harmed you in any way, or if my language or my speech was harsh, or if I said something that hurt you, please accept my apology. And she went to every person that was involved like that. And her reflection on that was um, that it's almost like the practice creates this safety for herself and everyone else, so that when things are hard or difficult, the practice kind of rises up around you and guides your behavior through something hard. You know, it informs you. And she felt such gratitude for all those hard moments on the cushion and all the time in practice because we don't always succeed with our practice. But she felt time for just putting her time in and being patient because these things in the Buddha called their virtues. They arise up, they come up naturally. We don't grab at them, you know, we don't force them, we don't make them happen. They come as a fruit of our intentions are showing up on the cushion and our day-to-day practice, and then they support us. They really support us. The other thing that I loved about that story was in the past she said when something like that happened and everybody yelled and there were hard feelings and people felt stepped on, she would carry that with her for days and weeks and hold resentments and hostility with the people. You know, there's a lot of suffering in relationships. Have you noticed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the practice almost holds our suffering, and it holds the interpersonal um, tension. You know, on every level, it comes and meets us with these virtues, with this wise behavior, with this intending for no harm. So. Um, a reflection for you would be, how is that practice holding you? Is it rising up? Is it coming to you? You know, you sit, you practice, you read, you contemplate, you meditate, and it's almost like seeds in the garden. You're planting seeds and watering and fertilizing and raking and pulling weeds, and one day this flower comes up, or vegetable, right? And there's joy in that and happiness. So the Buddha tells us to reflect on those moments 
when that practice rose up to meet you and carried you. And see the energy and joy behind it. And we use that to continue, to continue on. Another person um, mentioned to me uh, recently about um, sitting in meetings that were difficult. Anybody sat in a difficult meeting recently? Lots of power play and um, people talking over people and this kind of grabby atmosphere and um, not a lot of deep listening. Have, have you had those meetings? You've had, right? And uh, she said that um, in her practice, just staying with she's re- her refraining from harsh speech, refraining from harm, and wishing well to everyone held her through it. She felt less stress because she wasn't getting pulled in to the negativity and to the pushing and the grasping of it all. Right? So by reflecting on the precepts and the virtue, it was kind of like helping her rest with ease. Another gift of the practice and the gratitude is that all the practices point to resting in ease, to softening, and to finding that middle ground. So it gives us that opportunity to find a way to live with ease, with some letting go and some releasing, with a gentleness, just by any of the places that you practice, whether it's concentration or heart practices or with precepts and virtues, Um, with setting intentions. Another place of gratitude is um, how we come to work with the difficult and suffering, our relationship to the suffering in our lives. In Buddhism, it's almost like we begin to understand life through the lens that suffering is inherent in almost every particle and place of all of our experience, all of it. And that we see life not as an avoiding, fixing, changing kind of um, relentless, undoing and unpacking of this and pushing away, but an embracing, a holding and an opening towards what's difficult um, with compassion and knowing that if this is my experience of suffering, it's your experience of suffering. I'm not different and I'm not separate from any of you in in one moment. And that um, we intimately know it in our bodies, in our mind, in that felt sense, and we're with it in that moment. We're with it, whatever it is, how meaningless, how subtle, how trivial, to how difficult to the large one, that we're, we're holding this knowing. 
And um, that as we live our lives this way, we're more open and receptive. And there's a quality of, of kindness and compassion that naturally arises. Check the time. So um, not only do we know intimately and well the flavor of suffering that permeates our lives, but we're on a path that um, we know how suffering ends. And that is, you know, the study and the practice of these Four Noble Truths that we talk about um, here all the time, that um, we understand our own grasping and clinging, and the grasping and clinging of others. And as we um, investigate our suffering, by looking at the nature of our minds, we're also knowing how to open up and let go of some of our thoughts, concepts, self-view, right? Some of the things that keep us bound up. We're learning to open it up and release. And by practicing, we're relinquishing and letting go. And that beautiful space, again, of letting go which leads us again to the stillness and quiet. It's kind of like a big circle, yeah? None of us can do it perfectly. Um, there's no perfect person with no perfect path. And that is such a great release right there. And um, today I may look very Buddha-like and tomorrow I may look very not Buddha-like. And it's going to go like that for forever, um, I anticipate. So, um, I love this poem that a Dharma friend sent me, and I'll read it to you. Um, Dear humans, you've got it all wrong. You didn't come here to master unconditional love. This is where you came from and where you'll return. You came here to learn personal love, universal love, messy love, sweaty love, crazy love, broken love, whole love, infused with divinity, living through the grace of stumbling, demonstrated through the beauty of, can't read that, whatever, <laughs> often. You didn't come here to be perfect, you already are. You came here to be gorgeously human, flawed and fabulous, and rising again into remembering. But unconditional love? Stop telling that story. Love in truth doesn't need any adjectives. It doesn't require modifiers. It doesn't require the condition of perfection. It only asks you to show up and do your best, that you stay present and feel fully that you shine and fly and laugh and cry and hurt and heal and fall and get back up and play and work and live and die as you. It's enough. It's plenty. The gifts and gratitude of the path. Reflecting on the happiness of practice 
and the joy of practice and the sweetness of practice and the protection of practice. To hold us in these moments where we really don't know what's next, you know? We really don't know. I was listening to this Dharma teacher um, in Barrie, and in Barrie, they're doing um, the three-month sit is going on. And in the middle of the three-month sit, there was an election, right? Can you imagine you're meditating in silence every day, day and night, day and night. You're sitting, walking, sitting, walking in total science. Silence, and um, this election comes, right? And um, what happened in Barrie over there is that people had to decide if they wanted to know what happened. And they, they had a piece of paper with the results and something covering it, and you lifted it up and you looked <laughs> and you wanted to. Know. And um, so the talks have been very interesting. And one of the teachers um, there said something like, um, you know, um, we go around life and we just trust in so many things and we're not aware of it. You know, we're trust, you turn on the light, the light's going to go on, the gas will go on and I'll heat the coffee that my heart will beat, I'll turn the car on, the car will drive, there'll be a traffic light. We just trust these things all the time, right? He said he trusted his bicycle seat to stay on his bicycle to get there and it broke, right? And then when things... Um, don't work, we look at everything we trusted to work. We've made this huge assumption. But life doesn't really give us that um, blanket assumption that everything will work. Right? And so then he asked, what do you trust? What can you trust? Um, and this is an answer for you. This is something for you to answer. What do you trust? And I would say, at this moment, I trust in the practice. And before we break into um, small groups, I'd like to lead you in an equanimity practice. So if you want to close your eyes for one more chilly moment, And just recalling and holding, knowing and sensing the goodness in yourself. Reflecting on the good intentions you have and the many ways you've wanted to help and in the many ways you want to help now. Wanting to help yourself and all beings. And thinking about the challenges that you have faced or continue to face, sensing these challenges of life itself. And if you'd like, you can place a hand on your heart as you silently repeat the phrases as reminders for setting intention for practice. 
May I be balanced. May I be at peace. May I know that there will be times of joy and times of sorrow. Personal events and painful events. Animals, nations, countries, the universe will change and cease and arise. May I rest in the center of all of this, of changing reality. May I see the world with quiet eyes. And may I offer my care, my presence without conditions. Knowing that my work may be met or not met with gratitude or indifference. May I find the inner resources to truly be able to give. And may I remain in peace while I let go of expectations. May I offer my love. Without expectation. May I find balance and ease in change. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.